when looking for the Messiah, we live in the luxury of being able to see the fulfillment of prophecies and archaeological finds and so many things that allow us to see that it actually takes more faith to believe that Jesus wasn't who he said he was than to believe that he is, in fact, the Son of God. Well, hello and welcome to the Meet Me and Isaiah podcast. My name is Marnie Clark. I am your host and we are continuing with our Meet Your Messiah series. Today, we are meeting truth in our uncertainty. We live in such a confusing time. If you're looking for truth, the news can be the most confusing. It's really tough. I mean, if you were looking for the truth about a story, you can read about the same story. You can get five different versions on five different media outlets. And of course, they're all spun to fit a certain agenda. It's to the point where if I get a message on Facebook Messenger from a friend and I'm, it doesn't sound quite like that person, I have to look and see maybe somebody's hacked her account, you know, or if I get an email from a financial institution, I have to call and verify that that's actually from that institution because of all the fraud that goes on. You know, when, when we're looking in terms of finding the Messiah, when we're looking in terms of scripture, it just makes it so much more beautiful when you contrast what we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis in the year 2023. When looking for the Messiah, we live in the luxury of being able to see the fulfillment of prophecies and archaeological finds and so many things that allow us to see that it actually takes more faith to believe that Jesus wasn't who he said he was than to believe that he is, in fact, the son of God. There are so many things. It's I like to say this, and this comes from... I'm quoting out of the book, Reliable Truth by Richard Simmons, which is, I highly recommend. It's an incredible book. But he says that although the Bible was written by 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years, both Old and New Testaments read as one book. They read as one book. I mean, they were, they were written on different continents over a period of 1,500 years, and and unlike trying to read about a news story in in the same time period, the Bible actually agrees with itself. And apparently, so I've always been fascinated. I've always been fascinated by mathematical possibilities of Jesus fulfilling all these prophecies that he did. Like, this can't be a coincidence. The Hebrew scripture describes who the Messiah would be, where he would be born, that he would be um, of the line of David, all of these things. And of course, my favorite, Isaiah 53, that describes who Jesus is and what he was going to do, written 700 years before he was born. 
And so a mathematic, a, ma- a professor of mathematics, let's see, his name is Peter Stoner. He was the chairman and department of mathematics and astronomy at Pasadena City College until 1953. He wrote a book called Science Speaks. And he says that the chance of one man fulfilling just eight of the prophecies is one in 10 to the 17th power. So if if you're like me and math isn't really your thing, that means we're talking about one and add 17 zeros. And then the chances that he could fulfill 48 prophecies would be one in 10 to the 157th power. So you have more of a chance to win this billion dollar lottery Powerball than for Jesus to have fulfilled eight of the prophecies, if that puts it into perspective. And of course, he fulfilled so many more than that. But there are so many books, so much research you can you can go to and, and find out just how many prophecies he fulfilled. Christianity is unique in the in the sense that it depends on historical events actually happening. And Paul says in scripture, he says, if the resurrection didn't happen, then basically we have nothing. Like, what are we even doing? Why, if we don't believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead, then why are you going to church? What was the point of Christianity if that didn't happen? But thankfully, the evidence for the resurrection is absolutely astounding. And since the resurrection did happen, we have everything. We have absolutely everything. We know because Jesus fulfilled these prophecies in Scripture, we know we can rely on what the Bible says and we can make the Bible our own. We can rely on the Bible, like the book I said I love so much, Reliable Truth. That's what we have. We have reliable truth. We can take it to the bank and in this world of uncertainty of not even knowing if you can respond to an email without worrying about fraud we know that when we're reading scripture it's true and there are so many reasons for that I'm not gonna go into all of those Um, you can certainly reach out and ask me if you want some resources I can send those to you but I love this because it's okay. You know, it's okay if you're experiencing doubt. That is that is so normal. If you're struggling with doubt about all this, did you know that John the Baptist, who was Jesus Jesus's cousin, the same one who in John 1 says, "Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." The same one who declared him to be the Messiah, when he was put in prison, he started, he started wondering, you know, I mean, can you imagine he came out and said all of this and now he's in prison? And in our minds, a lot of times when we face such intense difficulties, it's like, what's going on? That's a lot of times for me when the doubt can creep in, it's like, 
this isn't working. This is something's wrong. And Jesus didn't condemn him for this doubt. He didn't say, are you kidding me? You're my cousin. You're the one who was supposed to prepare the way for me. No, Jesus says this. Okay, so this is Matthew 11. Okay, it says, now when John, while in prison, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the expected one or shall we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. What I love, because I love Isaiah and because of what we're doing here with Meet Me and Isaiah, is Jesus is actually inviting John, his cousin, to meet him in Isaiah. Because when he is saying all of that, he's actually quoting Isaiah 35.5. And Isaiah 61 1. So let's just look at those. I'm gonna Isaiah 35 5 says, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. So he was quoting from that, and then you go to Isaiah 61 1. And that one we have talked about a lot on this podcast. Isaiah 61.1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Speaking of Isaiah 61, that this passage is so significant. It is just so significant. Of course, we, you know, I love Isaiah 53. Isaiah 61 is so significant because Jesus actually quotes it. He quotes this when he's starting his, his ministry. You know, we can look back and go, wow, you know, how, so they were doubting, but you know, they were really, they were expecting someone to deliver them from the Roman government. And so can you imagine if you're there and you're seeing, Jesus perform all these miracles, you're like, this is great, but I thought we were going to be set free from this oppression that they were experiencing. For us looking back, we can see that Jesus never said he was coming to do that. And one really cool thing, if you look at Luke 4, 18 through 19, where Jesus reads Isaiah 61 and says it has been fulfilled in their hearing, he stops short of reading the the whole passage. And I believe that is for a very good reason. So let's say, let's go to Luke 4, 18 through 19. So the book of, actually starting 17, the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So if you keep reading in Isaiah 61, after that, it actually says, and the day of vengeance of our God. But when Jesus read that in Luke 4 and said, this has been fulfilled in your hearing, 
he did not read the part about the day of vengeance of our God because he knew that was his second coming. He knew there was a part one and a part two. And so it's easy for us who believe Jesus is the Messiah to say, oh, yeah, you know, he wasn't doing that because he hasn't done that yet. That's for his second coming. Well, they didn't know. You know, we like to talk about Isaiah 53. Jesus fulfilled so many prophecies. I love this. Okay, so I said earlier about the archaeological finds. The Dead Sea Scrolls is is amazing. And the more I have dug into this, <laughs> dug into this archaeological finds, I know, bad joke. So the Dead Sea Scrolls actually give us confidence in the dating of Isaiah because there was a scroll discovered. The largest Dead Sea Scroll discovered was actually the entire book of Isaiah, if you can believe that. So when I found that, I was super excited. And I had a really personal story that happened to me that just made me so happy because if you've if you've heard me talk about how I just felt so drawn to finding Jesus and Isaiah, and I felt a strong calling from, from God to do this, he gave, he's given me so many confirmations along the way. And this one was really, really cool. So I was in the grocery store one day, and I can't remember when this was, maybe a couple of years ago, and I was at the checkout, and there was one of those magazines that talk about I can't remember what what it was, but it was a magazine talking about the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so it was probably crazy expensive. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get that, you know, $20 magazine about the Dead Sea Scrolls. So as I'm looking through it, I'm looking at it. And of course, it's talking about Isaiah. I'm like, that's so amazing. I love that that was the biggest one found. And then I see that the Isaiah Scroll was housed in a small church in Jerusalem called St. Mark's. And I was sitting there going, wait a minute. There cannot be more than one St. Mark's church in Old City, Jerusalem. My husband and I had actually visited that church, and we found it in the coolest of all circumstances. I'm going to save that as a story that I can tell when when I can get clay my husband on this podcast, we need to tell the story together. But we found ourselves under some bizarre circumstances in St. Mark's Church. We had an amazing, amazing experience there. And then for me to read that that is where the Isaiah scroll was housed. It was just really special for me to hear that. So with all of this that I just said, you can hear all these facts and I can hear all these facts. And still, maybe nothing can change in our hearts. I mean, the, you can say, okay, I get it. Check. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus fulfilled all those prophecies. Uh-huh. The Bible's true. Yep. Got it. But we can just not be changed. We can know all this in our head and not be changed. What is this verse used to really bother me when I was younger? Is The Bible says that the demons believe and shudder. So knowing the truth, believing that Jesus is God, it sounds like that has to hit your heart and not just your head because you can believe it and still reject it. You can believe it and still feel rejected by God. But the truth is that we have to repent 
And I don't know if repent is a scary word to you. You know, maybe when you hear the word repent, you picture this screaming preacher on the side of downtown, wherever you live, who's yelling repent and seems kind of angry and mean. Well, repent just means to change our mind. So we have to change our mind, realizing that what we've been doing, going our own way, hasn't been working. You know, Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So if you are struggling and you feel like you're doubting, maybe you're still doubting that Jesus is the Messiah, or maybe you're just doubting that he is real for you, that he can actually change you. Well, I'm just going to challenge you. And I, I have such confidence that God, he says, if we seek him, we'll find him. And I believe that you will if you're seeking So just ask, Jesus, are you my Messiah or do I need to look for someone else? He didn't get mad at John the Baptist and I don't believe he'll get mad at you for asking. Then watch. So ask him that and then watch expectantly. And I believe he's going to show you. I believe he's going to show you in a way, in a way that you can understand that he will come to you so personally and reveal himself to you by the power of of the Holy Spirit. So just ask. And if you're like me and you're wanting truth to stand on, you need to be rooted in the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So ask him and, and then I want to hear about it. Ask him. And then I want to hear about it, please, please. There's nothing more joyful. There would be nothing more joyful for me than to know that hearing this prompted you to ask the question. Thank you so much for joining me today. If this episode was an encouragement to you, then please pass it on and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. If you have a question that you want to ask or you have an exciting story you want to share with me from the book of Isaiah in your life, then please shoot me an email at info at meetmeinisaiah.com.